0: There is no Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. If you'll grab your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah 9 this morning. We'll do a quick review here You might remember in chapter 8, God's people have finished rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah was called from uh, basically the Iran area, the Persian area, to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And God's people did this, both for spiritual reasons and physical reasons. The identity of of Israel and uh, and Jerusalem was being established at this point. So they gathered up to celebrate, and they called Ezra, their, their priest, their pastor, their, you know, the resident biblical scholar, and said, you know, he spent 14 years teaching them, and they said, teach us. Come and teach us. We want to hear the word of God. So he teaches, uh, teaches them, and, and they break up into different groups, and he has this, like, teaching team that goes out, and they discuss different things in the scripture so they can read and understand. And while they're studying the word of God, the Holy Spirit just affects them in a way that they just began to weep. And we have to ask ourselves, well, well why? Because they realized that their sin was so large that it convicted them. And anytime you read the law, anytime you, especially the first five books of the Bible, it's all the do's and the don'ts. You start reading some of that, you start to see your sin. And, and the law condemns the sin. And they begin to repent of that sin so much so that they had to tell them, okay, 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 hey, guys, we, we understand you're repenting. Now, now let's turn that repenting into joy. And they had to go out there and say, stop crying. Let's have some joy here because, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes we have to get over our sin. Well, first of all, we have to do what with our sin? We have to recognize that we're sinning. We have to recognize that, okay, maybe this, this part of my life, this thing that I keep doing is, is a sin. And then they begin to, to repent of that sin. We can't ignore it. But once we recognize it and we truly understand that it's sin against our, you know, against our God, and then we ask for forgiveness, and then it's time to move on. See, the problem is a lot of us will stay right there. When we recognize our sin, we will stay right there and say, man, I, I just, you know, you know I, I, God is just... God is just so awesome, so holy that he can't use me. And when we do this, we become ineffective. Too many people get stuck right there and develop this idea that that God could never use me. Whatever I've done in my life, whatever, you know, maybe I'm 50 years old, maybe I'm 60 years old, maybe I'm 90 years old, maybe I'm, you know, 20 years old. But these things that have happened in my life that have been so bad that God could never use me now. I've sinned too much. This is not good. Because God can still use us no matter what happens in our life. Never allow the enemy to convince you that you are so unworthy that God can't use you in this life. Because the enemy will try to do everything he can to do that. We need to do what they did in verse verse 12 of chapter 8. They shifted to joy and celebration. Verse 10, they're crying their eyes out. Verse 12, they're dancing and they're celebrating. They're rejoicing because they finally understood the Bible. That the Bible is not about condemnation. The Bible is not about, let me point out your sin in your life. It does that, but it's not all about that. It's about showing us our sin so we, so we understand that we, we need a Savior in this life. That we need something bigger than this world has to offer. So they kept doing this day after day, studying the Word word of God, and they kept coming back to that. And they were shocked. They were shocked that they were called to be God's chosen people, and they weren't acting like it. They weren't obeying God. Once they knew what God expected uh, expected of them, they had to change their lifestyle, just like a lot of us. Once we understand we have a responsibility to change our life, to change our attitudes and our actions, how we treat people, how we allow ourselves to be treated. When the Bible comes alive to us, it does something. It expects change. And now we have a responsibility to do that change, to say, hey, the Bible is telling me the situation that I am is sinful, so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to change that. The Bible is telling me that I'm currently saying and doing what the things that I'm currently saying and doing are not right. So I'm going to change that right uh, that right now. The Bible even tells me to give back. I haven't even been giving anything to God. So you know, man, I, you know, some people, you know, the, the, you know, you got to go with the rule, ten percent, right? Well, okay. Well, when we get to discussing tithing and stuff, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. But maybe you. You know, maybe you can't give 10%, but you start with 1%. Because Not because the pastor's up here telling you, but, but that's what the Bible says to do, to give back to God. See, it's very dangerous to study the Bible. Have you ever heard of Wycliffe? It's an organization that translates Bibles to different languages around the world. It's a really cool uh, organization. Well, they were translating the Bible into uh, to a language called the Newberry language down in Panama. And they spent 12 years trying to get it all down right. You know, the, the different dialects, the different sayings. You know, I have this, I have this uh, pigeon Bible, uh, a Hawaiian pigeon Bible. And you would read it, and you sound so goofy reading it out loud. But the people that speak Hawaiian pigeon, they understand what it says. And in fact, it's called Da Jesus Book. And you say Da Jesus Book. That's how they say it. Well, they were doing this into this Newberry language, all the nuances and stuff, and they finally went out to test it. And they, finally, they found a guy that, that had a Spanish Bible, but his native language was Newberry, and they said, well, here, you know, read this and, and tell us what you think. So he comes back a couple of weeks later, and he just, literally, he throws down the Bible at them. And they're thinking, man, we, <laughs> we must have really messed up in this translation. He's like, I don't want it. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with it? He said, nothing is wrong with it. It's just now that I understand the Bible, I have to obey it, and I didn't, don't want to do that. You see the difference? When you start to understand the Word of God, it expects something out of us. We have a responsibility. It's like so many of us that have grown up around religion, but we don't know the Word of God. We grew up being afraid of God. We grow up being, you know, this huge disciplinarian that, man, if we we get out of step, he's just going to whack. He's just going to squish us like a little bug because we're just afraid of him, but we don't know him. We grew up doing religious things because we thought, well, that's what pleases God. If I do these religious things, then God will be happy with me. We find out that's not what pleases God. God says, I don't care about your Sabbaths. I don't care about your new moons. I don't care about your sacrifices. That has all to do with kind of the Old Testament thinking. I don't care about all these things. I am looking at your heart. What's your heart saying? What's your heart doing? Is your heart clear? If your heart's clear, then celebrate the Sabbath because that is great. But reality is, it's about what's on the inside and not what's on the outside, not what people can see. This is exactly what happened to them in 444 BC. Their hearts changed. And this is what I love about the Bible. You can read it and you can say, I can relate to that. You know, I was reading the other day and, and the Lord was telling me, uh, and this is always bad when it happens to the pastor because the pastor's a regular person. But the Lord says, Well, your attitude's kind of wrong in this, your motivation's kind of wrong in this. And I'm like, okay, I'll have to change that. And it's difficult to change those things. These guys discovered that they were not celebrating this feast that God wanted them to do for over a thousand years. God, you know, God didn't want them to celebrate the feast so they could have a day off of work. God wanted them to celebrate this so they could understand the truths that were taught during these feasts. And it got me really thinking. As Brandon gets older... When we come to different celebrations around our nation, I'm going to somehow come up with scriptures that relate to that celebration. So it's not just, oh, it's a day off, we get to watch football. Oh, it's a day off, uh, we get to you know, go do this, we get to have a picnic. But to, to understand freedom, and to, you know 4th of July, to explain to my son, God gives us ultimate freedom, and here's the scripture to back it up. That's why God wanted them to have this feast. It wasn't so they could just go out and have fun that it would be passed down to their children, and they they would remember it when they feasted also. So they're reading this, and they're saying, hey, you know, that time, that feast that God wanted them to do, that's supposed to be right now. We should be doing this. Well, let's celebrate this this feast of booths or tabernacles. we got to do this. When's the last time we've done this? And they're like, um, a thousand years ago. Well, what do we do? I don't know. Well, let's figure it out. We get off work. We eat. We celebrate. We go camping with the, you know, with the families. We, we talked about this. It was an outside feast for a week. There's no downside to it. So they started it right then. It was fabulous. They were reading in the Bible. They were reading something, and they were figuring it out and saying, hey, we should be doing this, and then they do it. How novel is this? It's not a six-month discussion To decide whether they should to obey or not, not well, you know. Let me let me research online and see what you know the scholar so and so thinks about this, or let me go ask the pastor what they you know you know. Maybe we should have a class on this so we can decide what to do. No, that's a that's a smokescreen, and that's what religion does. See what a cop out religion can be. That is bad religion. Good religion says, wow, this is saying I should stop sleeping with my girlfriend. Well, it's kind of weird since she's the one that brought me to church in the first place. Maybe I need a second opinion. That's what the, you know bad religion says. Maybe I need a second opinion there. Well, maybe this was just for back then and not right now. And then I read in the Bible that says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God does what? Lives forever. Word of God lives forever. Man, I like the Spanish version of the Bible a lot more. So they celebrated the Feast of the Booths for the first time in a thousand years. And I'm sure a lot of it was like, well, how do we do this? Am I doing it right? And the Lord is totally like, yep, you are because your heart is in the right place. That's what matters. So there's t- you know, they're celebrating what we talked about last week. Harvest and habitation. The harvest is, is God's blessing on them. It, it you know, was celebrated around the time that they literally went out and harvested the grain and, and the wheat and all the different things that they ate. It was a you know, big fall celebration. But they were also celebrating habitation. That is God being with them. So let's jump into chapter 9. They just finished one feast, and they're gathered back up again. These guys just couldn't get enough of each other. They were just love hanging out. And it says, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth, and having, do- uh, having dust on their heads. Man, I, I thought they were celebrating. You see, the Word of God convicted them as a whole, as a group. It's kind of weird when the Holy Spirit just grabs a hold of a whole group and convicts them. Maybe it's a family, or maybe it's a small group that says, we need to be, you know, we need to be doing this. And you go, man, the, the Lord's really been trying to tell us something, a common truth that says, you know, this is, you know, basically this is what's happening to these people. They're God's chosen people, and they're just now listening to God for the first time in a very long time. So they're feasting, and now they're, they, you know, they were feasting, now they're fasting, and they're wearing sackcloth, and they're putting dust on their heads. Now what is sackcloth? burlap it's you've ever seen burlap it's it's very you know it's a cloth it's not comfortable to wear at all i mean it's rough it's to say these are not my normal clothes something is going on here you know this would be like all of us come to church in hefty bags going this is not what i normally wear on sundays i almost put one on i thought it'd be funny funny but then at the same time i thought man what weird looks would i get that's exactly what they went through I'm mourning. And people are going, what's going on over there? Why are they wearing that? And then they put dust on their heads. It was a a physical form of of mourning back then. They literally would take the the, the burnt embers from, from a fire that has died down, has cooled off, and they would dust their heads. They would dump it on their heads. It's a physical recognition of I am in mourning. So something happened when they studied the Bible and they repented. You see how dangerous the, uh, the Bible is when you study it? It can cause you to repent. It can cause you to change your life. The, pe- the, the preacher will not have to tell you that you need to repent. Your friend will not have to tell you what you're doing is wrong, you need to stop it. The Bible says it, and you say, man, I, man the Bible's telling me I need to repent. If you don't want to repent, then stay out of the book. Stay out of the Bible. Don't open it. Because by the time you start reading it, you will understand that you need to repent because we all have sin in our life. When you read the Bible, you will start to see that our actions, maybe our tone of voice, maybe our attitude, our anger, our gossip, our lust, all these things start coming up. And you will even say, man, I I need to put down this word for a while. It can be overwhelming. We can get this sense of saying, I am so awful. And then we might even say, well, this is not good religion because good religion doesn't tell you how awful you are. No, no, no. We want to feel good, don't we? See, the Bible is dangerous. It says that man is corrupt without God. That's what the Bible says. That man is hopelessly, desperately corrupt And all the women around here go, well, yeah, I I knew that about the men. No, 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 no. This is mankind. Mankind is corrupt. So you're included also. Sorry. And when you see these things around that we need to be, you know, repentant of, you know, we might look at so-and-so and say, well, gosh, they need to repent. Let me tell you about what they were doing. And the temptation is to talk about it. The temptation is to preach about it. When what we should be doing is praying and see that they understand. Because if we get into the word, we all start to automatically see our sin. And we can say to them, you know, great, I'm I'm glad you see this. I've been praying for you. Instead of like, well, I would have told you that a long time ago. That's our usually our attitude. But then we open up the Bible and we start to see our own sin. Like the Apostle Paul that said, I'm the sinner of sinners. I'm the chief sinner here. And then we start to remember, once we get into that, we start to remember that we learned in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we rejoice. We're happy. We're mournful. mournful, And then were, we're joyful. We start to bring the Bible into bad situations. Not necessarily by preaching it to other people. But somehow, through our own actions, through prayer, however you do it, bring the Bible. Because it leads to repentance, which is beyond feeling sorry. True repentance goes beyond just saying, Well, I was wrong. Yep. True repentance is, I was wrong, and I need God's forgiveness in my life. Verse 2, it says, Those, uh, those of Israelite descendant, or descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in the places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. This is so full of things for us to get into. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. In other words, those that didn't believe what you believe. They stood in places and confessed their sins and their wickedness of their fathers. This is not like your typical outreach event for a church. You would scare people that way. They're not going to bring in visitors. They separated each other, uh, themselves, from from those. And they were honest with each other. They have what you call believer's repentance, is how we call it. Those that have already called themselves followers of God, saying, uh, saying that we have sin, we need to repent. Now, what's interesting, that most of the repentance in the church is geared toward Unbelievers. But when I read the Bible to cover to cover, what do I see most about that? It's calling believers to repent of their sin. We have it all backwards. In fact, I mean, take the word repent. Re. You understand what I'm saying? Re. R-E. Re. We have to repent. In our language, when you use the word re, what does that mean? See, that's why I love you guys. You're so sharp. That I means you've done it before. So now you have to do it again. You have to repent. You're, you're penting all over. What is pent? Pent means penitent. Uh, oh, I can't even say it. It's when you're remorseful and you're, you, know, you have sorrow. You're, you're re-sorrowing. It's just hard to say it that way. Believers are called to do this in the Bible. You ask believers to Repent. You ask non believers to what? Pent. We got to reprint all the signs, don't we? You know, pent and be saved. It's not repent, repent for the believers. You're already saved. I know, that's the way my mind goes, you know? To be really sorry for our sin, we say, How can I be sorry? I was saved when I was seven years old. I'm saved and I'm sealed and I'm delivered. You know, the, the old song, Saved, Sealed, and Delivered. I have nothing to repent of because Jesus is continually saving me, so I don't have to repent. In fact, there's some teachings that, that even say that, brother. Just by your attitude, it tells me you need to re 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 repent. They stood and they confessed their sin. Now, how weird would that you know that be? Pastor Alan, could, could I have a word with you? You know, I've been having an affair at the office, and I'd like some time during the service to to stand up and. To tell everybody. My wife doesn't even know. In fact, the the lady I've been having an affair with, she goes to church also. She's sitting right over there. I mean, we would be like, whoa, we couldn't handle that, could we? They stood and they confessed their sin. Man, that would be weird. They stood and they confessed their sins. And the wickedness of their fathers. The things that they had done and the things that their fathers had done, they accepted blame for the sin of their nation. Now, this is foreign to us in the 21st century. We have decided that the key to emotional health today is to blame our parents. We've discovered this in books and teachers and counselors. There's all these theories that it's not really our fault that we're messed up, it's our parents' fault. Thank God, right? This is why we're so messed up. And you know what? It really is. Especially when you figure out, wow, no wonder why I'm an alcoholic. Because my, my dad was an alcoholic. and My, my dad's dad was an alcoholic. And my dad's dad's dad was an alcoholic. I mean, yeah, it is, in, in that sense, it could be the family's fault, you know, handing that pattern down. But you know what? It's life-changing when we discover this. We see the pattern in our family line. Maybe we see all the divorce in our family. So we have to be careful and go, that's not, a, that's not a direction, that's not a path that I want to go on. We see the alcoholism, we go, okay, I need to stay away from alcohol because for some reason in my family, it, we're attracted to it. Now you could, I mean, you could go with any sin here. You could go with lust, you could go with lying, you could go with all these things. But it's freeing when we discover this and we say, man... I need to change this. I need to break that right there. I had great parents. And the older I get, the more I see how great they were and are with my mom still living. But I've also realized that there are some things that weren't so great. So I'm going to list them all out for you today. Not really. But I had to stop there. And if I stayed at that blame part, that I'm doomed to do the same thing. I'm doomed to, to never break the chain. I will never draw that line and say I'm not going to go here. My dad was, you know, he, he, my dad wanted well-behaved children. And I tell you, we were. You, you take four young boys out to eat and you have other people complimenting you. Well, Mr. Orr, your, your kids are just amazing when you take them out. That's because we had this healthy and somewhat unhealthy fear of my dad at the same time man he disciplined well so I'm sitting there going today's day and age that would be crossing a line back then it was perfectly acceptable he disciplined how his dad disciplined and how his dad disciplined so I have to look at it and say okay I want to discipline my child I want a well-behaved child you know the the Bible says that we need to have well-behaved child that the the sons should listen to their fathers the kids should listen to their parents but at the same time, there's a line that I gotta be careful of. Because I know my dad went across that ever so often. And I have to be careful not to do the same thing. But I can't just sit there and go, my dad this one too much. If I stayed right there, what would happen? I would do the same exact thing. I gotta recognize it. I gotta change it. I gotta repent. They confess the sins of their fathers to recognize what was not good, to realize there are sinful things so they wouldn't do it the same way. Man. We read the Word and we see what our parents did. And then we go, man, Lord, you're so gracious with them. Help me not to be the same way, but, man, continue that graciousness with me. See, The Israelites, they confess for a thousand years worth of sin. I mean, take a guy that's 40 years old. He's saying, I'm sorry for the 40 years that I didn't celebrate this feast that you've been telling us to celebrate. We didn't study your word. We didn't even know about it. See, they use the word wickedness in here, or, you know, inequities is another way of saying it. That means wrong actions and attitudes. That means evil thoughts and evil deeds. It means imperfections, sinful tendencies and flaws. Father God, I confess to you right now the propensity to do what? Pick a sin. Gossip. Gossip is huge in the Bible. If you read the New Testament, you're going to see Paul coming down. Almost every book of the New Testament coming down on gossip. Father God, I confess to you that I was raised by a gossipy mother. And between you and me, Lord, she's still gossipy to this day. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. And her mom's gossipy, that's my grandmother. And her mom's gossipy, and I mean, they were you know, our whole family, it's in our DNA, it's a habit with us. Can you forgive me of that? Can you change me of that? Because you'll have to do it because it's in my DNA. I can't do that. I was raised that way. That's how we have to look at things. We can't go around and blame everything on our parents. But it's, you know, there's some things that we have to recognize and go, I want to do that a little differently and improve on things. Recognize the great things that they did and improve on some of the other things that maybe you don't want to do. Maybe it's not even a sin. Maybe it's just something that you want to change. Now, gossip is just one sin of many. We could just stay right here all day long, couldn't we? Forget eating. We just need to talk about sin. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. Six hours. And spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. Twelve hours. Twelve hours. God was purging them of some things. But at the same time, look at what he was filling them up with. Because some religious organizations will tell you, these are the rules, so stop doing these things. And if you do this, then you can join our little club, and we'll be happy that you're here. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news. You already knew that you were a sinner, right? You already know the things that you're doing wrong, right? What you didn't know is how you're going to stop doing those stuff, you know, that stuff. And what you were going to do instead of doing that stuff. See, what the Lord is doing for them is emptying out their hall closet. You know the, the place that you mean to clean in your house that you never really you know you plan to clean it? One day I'll get out there. I think I've cleaned up my shed four times and I still hadn't finished it. You know, it's it's all the stuff that only the family sees. If you have guests, you never take them over into that area. And God is cleaning out the side yard. Those family issues. He's just not, you know, scrubbing it and making it sterile. He's making it livable so you can use it. He takes something that's dysfunctional and makes it functional. And the way he does this is what the Bible calls washing us with the Word of God. That's why the Bible is so important. That's why getting into the Word is so important because it cleanses us, it washes us, it shows us our sin, but it gives us something to replace it with. I want to suggest more Bible study and more prayer because the Bible is our food. The Bible is our medicine. The Bible is our water. And if we don't get fed, if we don't get our medicine... If we don't get our diet Coke, I mean our water, then what happens? We get sicker, right? And if you get sick, then you cannot function. So this week, I want to encourage you to carve out some time and get into the Word of God. We've kind of talked about this. Man, pick a psalm. Pick one thing and read it. And then a couple days later, pick two things and read it. And just slowly over time, build up some time where you you actually get into the Word. Man, you want something encouraging, read Philippians. Don't promise an hour. Oh, Lord, I'll give you an hour this week. I'll give you an hour today, because guess what? (laughs) It won't happen if you haven't been doing it. That's just reality. Start with five minutes, and then bump it up to ten minutes the next week. But you have to crack it open. You have to go through some of it. And as you do, you will develop a taste for Scripture. It's kind of like an adult that, you know, gets a taste for vegetables. How many of you grew up loving vegetables? Okay, there's a few hands. I don't understand you people. You're just weird. You know, my son's starting to get pickier in what he eats. And the last three or four days, he just hasn't been eating much. And we figure, well, when he gets hungry, he's going to start eating Finally, I'm not going to stub it down him. Can't hold him down. It's starting to get pickier. He doesn't like certain vegetables now. Broccoli, he, even if we hide it in like a cheese-chicken mixture and put it in his mouth, he will eat everything else and then dig it out of his mouth and look at it and throw it down on the plate. As an adult, we get a taste for vegetables, hopefully, because it's good for us. As an adult, as we get into the Word of God, we start to get this taste for it. We understand that it's good for us, so therefore we read it. That is the Word of God for us. It's so important. Because if we don't do it, it's like not drinking our water. It's like not getting our medicine. It's like not getting our food. And we wither and we die, and then we end up what? Looking just like the world, going, I don't know why the people call this sin. It's because it goes against the Word of God. It goes against who God is and what He wants for our lives. We confess our sin, and then we move forward. Believers' baptism, believers, you know, everything is is all about repentance. We understand that we need to stop doing these things that we've been doing. We already believed, and now it's time to do something about it. So get into the word of God. It can change your life if you allow it to. Well, let's pray. Lord, I pray that we come to an understanding of how thankful we are that we can get into your word. That over thousands of years, you put together this book that we call the Bible because you wanted to tell us something. You wanted to give us something that was tangible so we could understand who you are and how you related to all these other sinful people in the Bible and how you still love them. So therefore I could understand that you love me even though I have sin. I pray, Lord, that we get to a point where we repent of our sin, that we recognize our sin, and we ask for forgiveness. And then we fill that forgiveness with joy. We fill those places in our lives with you as we understand who you are and how you relate to us. Now, Lord, as we get ready to, to share a Thanksgiving meal, that uh, I pray that you bless uh, the food and all the hands that made it, that we just have an enjoyable time hanging out, loving, laughing, and playing, and eating, and all those wonderful things together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you in this Christmas season, this holiday season. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.